back home. It's time for the news from Back Home magazine. Today's news is about masonry mass wood stoves. With the cost for home heating oil on the rise again, there's a renewed interest in cost-effective ways to provide space heating for homes. Ironically, one of the most efficient ways to do this has been around for centuries and requires no fossil fuels. Masonry mass wood stove heaters, as the name suggests, are made with lots of masonry, brick, or stone, and typically weigh thousands of pounds. The key to their efficiency lies in the fact that they can burn a very hot, fast, clean fire and transfer the heat to the mass of the wood stove, so it can then be slowly released into the home over a long period of time. The origin of modern masonry mass wood stoves dates back to the 1760s when the King of Sweden became concerned about a dwindling wood supply in a country that had always been heavily forested. People were simply burning too much wood in very inefficient fireplaces. So, by royal decree, work began to build a better wood heater, one that could use less wood while getting more usable heat. The idea spread across northern Europe from Scandinavia to Siberia. The net result of this effort today are wood stoves over 80% efficient because the heat is stored in the mass of the fireplace, not sent rushing up the chimney to heat the outdoors. A hot, fast fire will produce less pollution than a slow, smoky fire, and some masonry mass heaters burn as cleanly as wood stoves with expensive catalytic converters. Here in the United States, masonry wood stoves gained popularity during the 1970s oil crisis and became commonly referred to as Russian fireplaces since they were often built in Russian immigrant communities. There are dozens of effective designs, but all incorporate some form of baffles or twisted pathways for the fire to flow over and deliver its heat before going out the chimney. Some are simply staggered rows of brick laid up as the heater is built, while others are complicated precast masonry heat exchangers. Energy efficiency aside, a masonry wood stove can be absolutely stunning in your home. Factory-built units are available with beautiful finishes of soapstone, ceramic tile, and decorator colors. Since these heaters deliver their warmth directly by radiant heat, the best location is right in the middle of your home. Many new homes are designed around a central masonry heater as an integral part of the plan, making it a decorative focus of living rooms or family rooms. At the same time, you can buy just the plans and build your own to save money. They can be built in existing homes and often are, but remember, they're really heavy. Without the proper foundation and support, your new living room heater could end up one floor down in the basement, victim of a gravity vortex. But properly designed and built, masonry mass heaters will provide excellent radiant home heat, efficiently using very little wood and not a drop of expensive home heating oil. More information about masonry mass heaters is available from Back Home Magazine.
Our phone number is 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. News from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW, Spindale, North Carolina, with support from Air Check Incorporated on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. And you are listening to Your Community Spirit, live, local, and in your face. Why are we? No, we're actually in your ears. <laughs> in your ears. Because you wouldn't want us in your face, especially today. Did you know that today is Go to Work Naked Day or Work Naked Day? <laughs> I've heard so, that. Um, yeah, it was a little too cold for me to do it. So <laughs> you don't have to imagine me naked. But um, it's starting to warm up in here. So who knows by the t- end of this show, I might have taken off at least a shirt. <laughs> yeah. So this is your community spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. So the world is changing, and hopefully we can keep up and change with it, right? (laughs) So hopefully this show helps you prepare for the changes. I know it helps us prepare. I wouldn't know what was going on in the world if I didn't, uh, you know, listen to my own radio show. (laughs) It's like listen to myself talk. (laughs) Yeah. The more I talk to myself, the more I know things are going on. (laughs) Yes. Do you feel like cold and you want to do some action well how about go to signon.org it's time for congress to stop stalling and sign the violence against women act yeah why would why would we want that because women do not need violence yeah it's an obvious one it's pretty obvious and i mean it's also a bill that in the past congress has done a bill like this so like I don't know where they, they get off thinking they could suddenly stop. I mean, do they support violence against women? Does you Congress just, support? You just said Congress gets off. <laughs> so I think they get off. They must get off on violence. They I must. Mean, I mean, otherwise they, they would, they would sign this bill, you yeah, know. So, um, go to signon.org and do a search for Violence Against Women Act and sign on. Yeah. And, and you can also, in addition to signing the petition, you can contact your representatives too, because, uh, con- you can contact all the representatives of the entire country because there's no reason why we should not be taking action on violence against women. Now, it could be because, I don't know, I can't think of a logical reason. Well, it's it's bickering. You know, they're, they're bickering over the details, and so rather than behave like civil people, they they want to stop, you know, stop funding to uh, to all violence against women programs. Wow. <laughs> So, do you think now that two states have legalized marijuana, people might be a little more chill? <laughs> maybe. Maybe we'll all relax a little bit. The, uh, they'll start having in the weather forecast, like the, the fumes, the cloud coming from Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Just like it's like, we've got a strong wind from the, one th- uh, strong wind from the west today. Uh, we may have a very happy day. It's <laughs> <laughs> Just like, um, so in Colorado, They've actually began to plant hemp because as part of the legalization of marijuana, they also legalized growing hemp. Yeah. Now, hemp has no drugs in it. Yeah. But 
basically the DEA apparently is not smart enough to be able to tell the difference. Yeah, they don't know. They it's they, just like they they've been they've been smoking the industrial stuff long and not gotten any effect out of it, and they don't even know. Yeah. So, um, essentially, it is a very versatile plant. Yeah. So it is, and it has a lot of industrial and culinary and medicinal uses, and it's really interesting because now. If, if farmers in Colorado start planting it for industrial purposes, then they're going to be able to start selling it in the U.S. for industrial purposes, and then it's going to change. It's going to get cheaper here, which is going to increase pressure for more people. Like people in Illinois will say, well, hey, they're growing industrial hemp in Colorado. Why can't we grow it here? We could use the jobs. Well, we used to grow it. I mean, have you ever seen the video Hemp, Hemp for Victory? Oh, yeah, I have. I know the song. Hemp for our country. <laughs> hemp for the war. Hemp for victory. <laughs> this was a propaganda film put out by the U.S. Department of Agriculture yeah. to get farmers to grow more hemp for World War II. Yeah. And the whole point was we need more rope. We need, um, I mean, when I, I read a statistic that said George W. Bush, when he jumped out of an airplane, he was saved by a hemp parachute. Yeah. <laughs> so, um so hemp does good things. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> it, <I'm not> al <laughs> it also saved George W. Bush. Oh. Uh, but yeah, um, it's, I mean, to me, it seems clear. You know, it's a very useful plant. It can be grown for industrial purposes. It would do really well here in southern Illinois. You know, think of all of the jobs and industry it would create here. Yep. In other news... Occupy Wichita is bringing, is working to bring the light of a story of a young girl who was killed by a speeding officer. The girl was crossing the street outside a crosswalk when the officer who was speeding to a crime scene hit her. He was not using sirens or lights. So. Yeah, now that's, see, that's, that sounds very reckless. I mean, I know sometimes in the course of police duty, they do speed somewhere, but you're supposed to use the lights, you're supposed to, be sure you don't hit people. Well, I want to know why, um, you know, someone on the fringes isn't, I mean, Occupy is more and more becoming part of mainstream in the fact that they have to bring this to light yeah. instead of, you know, just a regular, you know, I mean. Yeah. Well, that's one of the interesting things about Occupy is it fills a lot of diverse roles now, like like the Occupy Sandy relief efforts, you know, like they they weren't set up as a relief agency. They were set up as Occupy Wall Street, but then. Hurricane Sandy comes and it's like, oh, we've got all of these people in this network. Let's mobilize to to help people. You know, if people need help with, you know, cop watch to be sure that police gets called to task for doing things like this. People need help with storm relief. It could be anything. Well, I mean, we as the citizens should be helping our fellow citizens. Yeah. I mean, that's the crazy idea of Occupy is that we as citizens can do things in our communities. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know that corporations are people, right? Yes, I've heard that. Yeah, so, I mean, legally they have, they're not people, but they have the exact same rights as people. So apparently these six women decided they would marry a corporation. Uh, yeah, yeah, wedding between women and Citizens United Corporations. <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, if you would like to receive the link, Seven Brides, Seven Corporations, um, it is funny and poignant and almost disturbing that we can actually do this yeah. i mean it's legal <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that 
Yeah, I got to look into that. That is weird. Because <laughs> like, the natural persons and uh, legal persons are considered the same, basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Another news. It's not officially against the law to jailbreak or unlock your smartphone. And there are in the some, U.S.? Yeah, in the U.S. Yeah. People do that in Europe all the time. I mean, they actually, it's an actual thing you do. You put in, you actually have like a little card, and you take out the card and you can swap it for different carriers. Yeah. You go to different countries. <laughs> you know, um, it's, and there it, they want people to do it because you could have a local number in France with one carrier and a different local number in Germany with a different carrier with <laughs> yeah. the same phone. Yeah, same phone. You just and, put in different cards. But you're paying for two services, so they like, you know, more people. And so they like that. Yeah. There. Here, they don't want you. If you buy a phone that only works on, you know, the Verizon network, you can't take take that phone now and use it on the Sprint network. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different network. Yeah, it's designed to be different. Yeah. Well, I guess the I guess the fo the smartphones in Europe are smarter then. <laughs> it's just like they're not being uh, and uh, I guess the laws too. It seems crazy to me, you know, like you've bought this piece of technology and you want to use it a little differently than the purpose you bought it for. Why is it illegal to to do that? Because the because the industry has a lot of money and <laughs> can get whatever laws they want. Yeah. Well, the the two times when. I actually got taught how to do it by an employee. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were just like, oh, it's really easy to, you know. Um, and unfortunately, the second time I did it, messed up the phone. <laughs> yeah. They, they got smart. They they figured out how to. They're, they're making it harder. Each successive time, they try to make it harder to do it. Yep. So. All right. Four protesters in Chicago were arrested while demonstrating at a hospital. They are fighting to get a trauma center on their side of the city as people have died as a result of traveling to reach one. While the children's hospital nearby does have such a center, they only accept kids up to age 15. So just trying to bring to light the fact that they don't have a trauma center. So Yeah. And lately, I mean, there's been a lot of shootings in Chicago. Yeah, there have been. So, and apparently that's a trauma. So I, yeah. I'm not going to test that as a theory, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, they should have a way to deal with that. All right, let's see. How have you survived Apocalypse Week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we're we we're dubbing this uh, Apocalypse Week. Um, we had, yeah, we had everything. But they were, I was actually too warm during some of the warm part. It got up to seventy. Seventy-one. I had it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it was like seventy. It was like in the 60s at like 8 or 9 p.m. Yeah. But it got up to like 71 during the day. And yeah. that was the beginning of the week. And then we had what? Tornadoes. Tornadoes. Rain. Freezing storm, rain. A wind advisory. Yeah. Um, then freezing rain. And now it's it was got down to like 12 last night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it has been... Um, what is the other word for global warming? The actual scientific word? Oh, I don't know. Bipolar weather? <laughs> it's like, it's just schizo weather. I mean, you know. Well, the climate change and the climate has been changing. Yeah, so. Um, you, don't, you don't know what the weather is going to be like a few hours from now, much less a few weeks from now. Yeah, so. <laughs> so far, we haven't had it in one day yet. Yeah. You well, know. we did have a dramatic, a somewhat dramatic day when it went from the, you know, 60-something to, like, 
thirties. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. We didn't have all of this packed into one day yet. There's there might be a few years from now there might be one day where it's tornado and freezing rain and lightning and Well isn't tornado supposed to be a summer thing? Well, the tornado season is expanding. Uh, you know, that's one of the, the blessings of climate change. You get a longer tornado season, you get a ne- never-ending tornado season, a never-ending uh, wildfire season. Get to celebrate these things all year now. I, we, the, one of these articles towards the end of this is about a town where their sewage started exploding <laughs> because of a drought. They didn't have enough water going through the sewage, and so gas built up and like, <laughs> caught on fire. Yeah, exploding sewage, that's always a good yeah, sign. so like that, we haven't had that happen yet. So yeah. we've only had things come from above, nothing from <laughs> below yet. <laughs> Isn't that one of the signs and portents of the apocalypse, like the sewage lines exploding? <laughs> it seems like it has to be. <laughs> so... Um, we have in the past here talked about energy aggregation. Um, yeah. I just got the letter, um, the what they call the opt-out letter, explaining the whole situation. And basically, you know, Ameren as a supplier will still supply the bill. Most people were really excited that they wouldn't get a bill from Ameren anymore. They don't like Ameren. <laughs> yeah. But Ameren will, is, still owns the power line, so they still deliver the energy. Yeah. So they ha- they have the bill, but the electricity is coming from a different company. And so the price is going to drop because so many people are buying together in bulk. Yeah, bulk discount. Yeah, so there's a bulk discount. And then the city of Carbondale actually voted for the residents within the city for their portion to be 100% renewable. Yes, so. <laughs> which I'm very happy about. Yeah, so. I like renewable energy. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And it can be hot sometimes, too. <laughs> So, all right. We were talking about hemp. We yes. might have gone into it enough, but here's the actual news article. Um, in Canada, it's not illegal to grow hemp. Why? Because it's not an illegal product. It is a different product than marijuana. This, you know, They both come from the same family, but that's like saying... Um, a Toyota is illegal, therefore a Ford is illegal, you know, because <laughs> yeah. they're both cars. So, um, Well, maybe now, Canada has more advanced science. They can tell the difference between the two <laughs> types of plants. So um, north of the border, it's actually a big industry where they make all kinds of products from cloth to soap to wood finishing oil. Basically, any type of, um, you know, thing with oil they can make with hemp oil yeah and then any type of fiber product they can make with the stocks yeah be it paper be it cloth you know even kind of high tech like bioplastics like i've seen some really interesting stuff it it looks like it's a plastic but it's made out of hemp yeah well it's just oil well it's probably oil and i mean carbon fiber is fibers yeah and that'd be the fiber of the stock and then the the other part the resin of the carbon fiber is made from oil. So you can make a high-tech carbon fiber yeah. just from hemp. So hmm. um, so now that hemp is legal in Colorado, what's next? So hmm, I think we pretty much covered this. Yeah. But. Well, part of the uncertainty is still is how federal officials will reply to it. Um, some analysts say it's unlikely they'll target individual users, but the outlook is less certain for federal crackdowns on larger enterprises such as farm-scale growing. So there is a concern that if they start setting up these industrial hemp farms, the federal government will come in and and shut down the farm. Now, 
I don't know, though, politically speaking, how, how controversial is that going to be? Someone starting up a new industrial hemp farm that's creating jobs and creating industry, and the feds come and shut it down. They're going to get a lot of heat for that. Well, I mean, hemp has no narcotic Yeah. It's got no nar- yeah, the industrial but, stuff's got no narcotic properties. But the properties. federal law doesn't differentiate. Yeah. They, they just, I mean, they actually go to the, the, what is it, the family, which is cannabis. Yeah. Which, you know, marijuana is under cannabis and um, hemp is under cannabis. So they're going to, like, that would be like saying what, um, I just forgot what we're at, uh-huh. we are. Oh, yeah. Homo, homo yeah, sapiens. Yeah, homo sapiens, yeah. Saying, like, just basically all homo sapiens are illegal or, <laughs> or can't do something when it's just one you know, family of, so. Yeah. <laughs> interesting, so. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll definitely keep an eye out to see if they start raiding hemp farms in, in Colorado. That'll be, that'll be crazy times. Well, I mean, th- the thing is, is hemp doesn't even look like marijuana. They ca- they're they kind of similar, but like a hemp is like this really tall stock with a little bit of leaves on it. Yeah. And marijuana, they try to do the exact opposite. Yeah, because they, try they want the leaves. Bushy. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's interesting. So. Yeah. Um, All right. Shall we talk about solar too? We can. I want to say this really bad joke. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> softening the blow. There's this. There's this study now about putting airbags on the outside of a car for car and bicycle crashes. Yeah. <laughs> and so they've really studied it, and um, they're actually planning to start doing this. <laughs> um, on some types of cars, but one idea to make drivers more careful, remove the seat belts from the cars and just put a big spike in the middle of the steering wheel. <laughs> That'll keep drivers more alert. <laughs> just like, I don't know. I don't think so. You'd get used to it. Yeah. I mean, people get used to driving at 65 miles an hour and that's fast. Yeah. And they don't realize the danger. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, you, people, you get used to things. Yeah. So. I remember when I was scared to drive at like five miles an hour. <laughs> I don't remember that. That was so many years ago. <laughs> All right. So got some solar news too. Uh, how the rural poor are becoming a market for solar. Uh, the rural, let's see, the rural poor in Africa, Asia, and other parts of the world are a rapidly emerging market for clean energy technologies. Uh, it's reflected in micro enterprise focused solar initiatives like Sunny Money. I like that. <laughs> yeah, Sunny hey, Money. Hey, baby. You got any money? No, I just got some sunny money. Sunny money. <laughs> Instead of simply throwing money and technological assistance at communities, uh, charities are funding and incubating small local businesses that sell solar solutions to rural communities at affordable rates. So that's an interesting idea. You know, it uh, reminds me of some of the aggregate stuff we were just talking about, but like in the other direction. If you get communities like working together to d- install solar, that can make it more possible. Because, I mean, how they used to do it is a nonprofit would come in, install solar, and then leave. Yeah. Now what they're doing is they're training somebody to sell s- small solar stuff. Yeah. And so it's it's self-empowering people. Instead of, okay, let's come in and swoop in and save <laughs> you. Let's come in and swoop in and train you. Yeah. That's like the old saying about uh, give someone a fish and you feed them for... A day, teach them to fish, and you feed them for a lifetime. Yep, so, teach them to install solar, and yeah, and, you, you give them business and energy for a lifetime. And instead of putting in like one large system for like you know a community center or something, 
where nobody is trained to keep it and repair it, where you know it's exciting and it works for a year or something, you know, give sell small you know solar powered lanterns. Um, you've probably seen the solar radios that it's a radio and a flashlight and yeah. <laughs> you know so they're they're building these really rugged, you know, waterproof, dustproof um, radio slash solar lanterns. And people are buying them. And so they take good care of them because they own it. Yeah. You know, and it's cheaper to buy that than to buy kerosene for lighting or um, what other things. Um, well, that's one good thing about it, too, is that it helps circumvent the part of the development process where they use fossil fuels heavily. You know, if you can go straight from low energy consumption to consuming of renewables, uh, then... That's better than suddenly having a bunch of extra people using coal, oil, natural gas. What's even more exciting now that these solar flashlights and lanterns, they have a charge port on them where people can plug in their cell phone. Oh, yeah. So now they've got basically a portable self-contained, you know, so if they're, you know, if they're really poor and they tend to be, have to move or, you know, you don't put in the system permanently. Yeah, you just carry it with you. Yeah, and so you have your whole home. You have, you know, lights and you have lights, music, and um, a phone. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you you are now, you know, part of society. You know? Yeah, we could start doing that in the U.S. too. <laughs> yeah, just like, <laughs> I mean, you can you can get a. Uh, um, I actually just saw um, a video of a guy who has a. I want to say about a 300-square-foot apartment in New York. And he did a contest, and he asked um, architecture students to design him a multi-change. And he made it so he can change the same room into, like, eight different configurations. <laughs> so he's got a living room. He can, like, spread it out, and he's got a smaller living room and a guest room. But in his one corner, he's got a solar panel hanging outside <laughs> and batteries in there, and that's how he keeps his um, a light and a cell phone charged. Yeah, and he was talking about how during Hurricane Sandy it came in handy, but you know, but he uses it on a regular basis for his phone. His phone is completely solar powered. Yeah, um, and the lantern he doesn't use too often; he just uses the regular lights and stuff. But it was a very interesting video where, like, you go into the kitchen and it just looks like a bedroom. <laughs> you, but the drawers are like refrigerators and. A, a washing machine, a dishwasher, not a washing machine. Dishwasher. Yeah, I've seen stuff like that. It's you know, really interesting. Yeah, and um, he, another drawer, he slides out and he takes out the ceramic stovetop and he puts it on the counter to <laughs> cook and then he puts it back in the drawer. Because once, um, anyway, it was a very interesting little video. So up, oh, we better get going. Uh, yeah, we're running out of. I want to mention headlines here. The Oak Park test drives a blackout-proof solar-powered smart grid. Now, I used to live up there in the Chicago area, and it's interesting to see Oak Park uh, going for some solar energy. And they were actually the first one to do that energy aggregation with 100% renewables in the state. Yeah. So, um, when we were studying for Carbondale, we looked at Oak Park. So, All right. Um, drought caused an o Omaha street to erupt in fireballs. That's where I was talking about <laughs> shooting out of manholes on Sunday and knocking out power in the city's downtown. So, and we can blame it on climate change because uh -huh. the whole sewage system was so dry, it exploded. Yeah. <laughs> and all those beans that people ate didn't help. Yeah. But it was mostly climate change. Today's holiday is Working Naked Day. Mm -hmm. 
It's also Freedom Day. So um, have at it. <laughs> yes. And tomorrow's holidays are, uh, uh, I, I, I like this holiday coming up as one of my favorite holidays. It's in bulk, the holiday. It's the midpoint between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And I like it because it's the sign that spring is coming. It's not here yet, but you get the anticipation for it. Uh, and it's, it's a very important spiritual holiday for me. Um, it's also on the same day as uh, Candle Mass, the Catholic holiday, and it's Groundhog Day. And that's that's actually why Groundhog Day happens today is because it's the midpoint between the solstice and the equinox, so it's a good time to gauge how the weather is going. Huh, like, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sunday is the Chinese New Year and um, the bean-throwing festival in Japan. <laughs> yes, and Monday is Bubblegum Day. Uh, it's also National Wear Red Day, and it's a Quacker Day. Monday is the birthday of Rosa Parks. Oh, yeah, birthday of Rosa Parks. Tuesday is Weather Person's Day. It's like um, Wednesday is the Super Bowl. <laughs> hmm. Hmm, no, I think that must be wrong. That's that's from last year's calendar. They have that date. <laughs> the yeah. Super Bowl is actually this weekend. Yeah, it's always on a Sunday. It's always on a Sunday, yeah. yeah so. Uh, it is, however, the, the birthday oh, of... We're smart. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. We, we See, know we caught our sports. That. Yeah. I'm a sports expert. We, uh, it's also Bob Marley's birthday coming up on Wednesday. So, let's see. And Thursday is ballet day. So if you can find a way to do a fusion with uh, Bob Marley and ballet, I will be impressed. Well, Thursday is wave your fingers at your neighbor day. So <laughs> while, I guess you can do that while you're doing ballet. Yeah. And then your neighbors will call the cops on you. <laughs> or not. They just might. They'll sit down and enjoy. <laughs> that would be fun. It's like the neighbor's going crazy again. Let's just get out of the lawn chair and see how it goes. Well, we're run out of time. We don't really have time to talk about many of the happenings. If you would like to receive our newsletter, which has a lot of happenings, please email info at yourcommunityspirit.org. One of the interesting events is the Carbondale Interfaith Council's 40th anniversary where they are hosting a Houses of Faith tour, February 2nd through the 9th. And every day, a different House of Faith is having an open house. Yeah, so you get to ask any questions you may have, find out what that's, that place's beliefs are all about. It's really interesting sharing of community beliefs. And you can go to cdaleinterfaith.org for the full schedule. Let's see. Sunday, February 3rd. Oh, my gosh. It's already February. Yes, February snuck up on us. Oh, wow. Um, Soul Talk at the Gaia House Interface Center. Join Rebecca Spencer Sunday at 3 p.m. for an empowering hour of enlightening your true self. Yes. And Yoga Basics for Women over at Gaia House is going to be moving to a new time, uh, 10.30 a.m. on Wednesdays. If you would like your community event to happen, please email it to info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we will put it on the happenings guide to make it happen. Yes. <laughs> Did I say happening enough? I think that's happening. All right. So <laughs> I guess that's it. We yeah. throw in the fact that uh, there's rice and spice tonight at Guy House, and there's the farmer's market tomorrow at Thompson School. Yes. Always a good way to spend the weekend. All right. Um, stay warm, yes. but don't stay too warm. Don't want to contribute to global warming by getting too warm out there. It's like... <laughs>